2: Hi, I am Lindsay Levinson, your host of Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Thank you for joining us. It is so great to join all of you listeners here each week. And it's great to share insights on subjects that affect us, that change us, that matter to us, and you know what? Maybe transform us. It depends. It depends how important these subjects are, and it depends if they're touching your life. As a life coach, I wish for each of you, each of you listeners, anyone who hears this and anyone who you talk to, I I wish for each of you to reach your potential, to be your best self, to live a true quality of life. So when we collaborate with wisdom, we grow and we give ourselves a chance to expand to a better place. Our community is growing. It's growing strong. It's growing fast. And I thank you all for that. Let me give you the addresses that allow you to join the community and be a part of so much that goes on. Facebook is Illuminating Now, and that's all one word. Twitter is at sign Illuminating Now, all one word. So if you would like our page, that would be awesome. If you would follow us on Twitter, we have absolutely blown up on Twitter recently, just just going crazy. So take a look at that. And my website is qualityforlifecoaching.com. It's four words. There's no numbers. There's no spaces. Qualityforlifecoaching.com. But there are a lot on the site. There's iTunes and videos and press releases. And it's always changing. So it's worth taking a look. And I offer you a free consultation. If you want to talk about anything on your mind, Anything that you are thinking about and anything that you might want to talk about regarding the show or being on the show or that you'd like to hear on the show. So feel free to hit me up as well. Today's show is part two of a part two series. So if you did not catch last week, please go back if you can to archives and listen. Because the two shows really will go together, you know, it was the presentation of a lot to do with gangs, and you're going to see why these two link with what we have to say today. Our guest, Bob Flores, last week offered such valuable insights. We really delved into the subject of gangs, the definition, the meaning, and just the allure so much more. And today I'm about to introduce our guest, Bob Flores, back for week 2. But first, let me tell you about him. Bob Flores is a youth advocate, program developer, and counselor. He has his MA. He, he provides direction and leadership for CEMYD program of Sunny Hills Services. He's got 20 years of experience working with gang youth, and he has served as a consultant regarding gang-related issues to a number of local agencies. So listen to who he's consulting to, law enforcement agencies, school districts. He's consulted on street gangs with the California Department of Justice, law law enforcement intelligence units. He's also certified to train police officers in the psychological and sociological aspects of gang culture, and he's certified in what is called Peace Officer Standard and Training. He trains inmates in San Quentin on methods of working with delinquent and gang-affiliated adolescents. It's a powerful program. He talked about it last week. It's incredible. And you want to listen to the last week's show just to hear about that because it's a great program. Just just really intriguing. He also teaches psychology at the Santa Rosa Junior College. So it's amazing work that Bob does. And it's, of course, so vital. Certain people are called to really affect, change, and add value in our world. And Bob is definitely one of these people. So we did have him here last week for part one of this two-part series. And today we're really so very lucky that he is back again for the completion of part two. So I want to say, Bob, thank you so very much for being here today and for spending these two weeks on Illuminating Now.
3: Well, it's great to be back. Thank you for having me.
2: You're very welcome, the subject matter here is so precious i I just want to say, okay, so last week, you know I won't delve into the depth of it, but we certainly talked about you know we started with basics, just the definition of a gang, the purpose, how it all started, what is the meaning? We talked about what might draw kids toward gangs, vulnerability, power, identity, belonging, loyalty and You know, we talked about the difference, prison gang, street gang. So we did talk about a lot. And today we are going to look more toward what can be done. What can we look for? And we're going to focus on maybe community, school, home. So having said all of that, let's again, maybe with that context, go to a question of are there ways to identify in a community, can you identify if there's a gang problem? Do you know? Do communities know I've got a problem with gangs in my community? Do communities know that?
3: Um, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Uh, I do have an assessment form that I take to a number of my presentations when communities seem to be in denial of having a gang issue that I'll have them take during the presentation. And then there's a numbering system to help them identify that certain things are going on. Things such as graffiti, uh, stolen items, car theft, uh, even a work shed being broken into and how often that occurs. A a number of things to look at to see, are gangs active in my area, in, in my community? Because gangs don't want to fly a flag around saying we are a gang and they don't have a clubhouse nowadays. So there are a lot of factors that go into it.
2: And when you say gangs don't want to, you know, have a clubhouse or their flag out front, I mean, that makes sense to me. But on some levels, I'll go with the debating side. That doesn't make sense to me. So I'll say, like, it makes sense on on the merit that they don't want anyone to get them in trouble or shut them down or they don't want problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can also think of they take pride and we discussed last week, you know, it's a belief system and it's a belonging and there's a power behind we are who we are and this is what we believe and we stand with pride and so why don't, it, you know, it, don't gangs want to kind of stand up and say here we are, you know, and don't, you can dare to challenge us, but we're this gang and you're not going to win, you know, so wouldn't they maybe want to be visible in some ways? It's it's a
3: double-edged sword. Uh, You know, there are the California laws. There's a California law, 18622, which is gang enhancement. So if you're caught in a crime uh, and it's deemed as gang involved, then it could add 10 years to your sentence. So they don't want to, in the 80s, kids would run around saying, yes, I'm part of this gang or that gang, and they'd shout it to the mountains. Well, now with the advent of this law, they've come to denying that they're gang members. Now, on the other side of it, they do want people to know who's running this school, who's running this neighborhood. Um, You know, something that the schools have run across over the last few years is their dress code. They would block out wearing red shirts or blue shirts, and the kids would start wearing belts, so then the schools would block out wearing shirts and belts, and it was a cat and mouse game. But what happens is those gang members do need to figure out some way to identify themselves, like a uniform on a team, so that if I were to walk into a local mall and I'm looking around, I want to see who is on my team and who is not on my team. So there's that aspect too. It's just become a lot more subtle than what it was before.
2: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I, I and that's really interesting. That's this is the stuff you know and we don't. But um, but wow. Okay, so a law that could add ten years to your sentence if you got in trouble. So and. And, yeah, awareness in schools. I mean, I knew slightly of that, certainly, that, you know, no caps are allowed and and some things to do with colors, but that's just so interesting that, which kind of leads me to the next question, you know. So so it might be a school, but just in a community, what can an average community member do?
3: Uh, Well, first and foremost is become informed. I know law enforcement, they do a number of presentations at schools and the schools publicize them, around gang awareness, gang trends. Uh, Again, these things we were talking about, the shirts, the belts, how they're changing even to haircuts or shaving part of your eyebrow. You know, they're they're different identifiers, and staying on top of that. Um, Another thing is to volunteer, offer your services. I often get asked by the average community member, and I put that in quotes, who says, I have nothing to offer these young people. Everybody's got something to offer, and if you think of a gang member, a lot of what they go off of, aside from intelligence, is intuition. You know, this is a situation or a type of person where they walk one block away from each other towards one another, and by the time they reach one another, they know if that person's a friend or a foe. They intuit these things. They intuit energies, tension, anger, that sort of stuff. So... When a community member volunteers their time, maybe even teaching kids how to make kites, they also intuit, is this person sincere? Is this a caring person in the community for me? So everybody's got something to offer.
2: That's really, that's powerful. That's powerful to say that because I think you're right. that, That is such a statement so many people do believe for a lot of reasons, not just gangs, but... I don't have anything to offer. I I wouldn't know what to bring to the table on a project like this. You know, and you're right. There's there's so many innate, just deep knowledge of, you know, human, <laughs> the human factor. I mean, just bringing your own human factor to the table is is going to add value if you actually care. If you have a clean intention and want to help, then there's something that you bring. So... That's, that's really interesting. And so that's a community member. What about a whole community? I mean, are there things that are rallied within a whole community of, you know, what can be done or projects or, you know, does the community band together usually or how would that ever happen?
3: Yeah, the, uh, I've worked in a number of communities that have experienced trauma, such as the death of a young person at a park that felt within a community that felt very safe and really help them to organize in the sense, what is it that occurred within the community? What is the trauma? And helping them to bring people together, stakeholders, uh, with a common vision and engaging in progression. Where, where do we move from here? What can we offer? How can we fund uh, parenting classes, uh, art programs, activities for the youth to keep their idle hands busy, and having the whole community participate in that? and develop strategies long and short-term, what would we like to see in the community? There are so many things that would people come together, policymakers, uh, as well as people on the ground level, coming together to formulate a plan to address the youth. Um, I liken it to parenthood. When kids are young, we do a lot of playdates where we know all the Parents of our children's friends, and we end up talking to them or maybe forging a friendship and talking on the phone. But once they become middle schoolers and high high schoolers, we let that go. We don't know who the parents are of our our children's friends. Um, We kind of let them go on this long tether. And as a community, we need to be aware, again, of who are the players in the community, who has something to bring to the table, who is willing to bring something to the table.
2: That's really interesting, and it's interesting to think about how does the leadership get formed within the community? I mean, is it is it somebody that has a true job like you have been working 20-plus years, I mean, in so many capacities with so much depth and with so many agencies? I mean, so, you know, you touch this in so many ways, but is it someone like you or are there people who've had a private experience with someone who's been in a gang or someone who's been, you know, killed or, you know, who, who takes the leadership of, you know, really wanting to make their community change or really wanting to put together programs so people could have a better potential not to have so much gang activity.
3: Well, I, I participated in a number of communities and committees throughout the years, and some of them organized by concerned parents out of a school, And then what they've done is talk to administrators, school board members, and really brought in the municipalities as a part of the policy-making process. So I've seen it really start at a grassroots level. I've seen it start with um, city council members and the mayor of a local community. So I guess it has more to do with the passion and getting the right people at the table, which is a process. There's people who come in with a passion, and their ideals don't, jive or they're not feasible for where everybody else wants to go and you get that feeling going again it's it's the feeling the momentum and passion of who can do this i've seen parents um, develop specific gang programs in their community that have been very successful and have involved not only the schools but local law enforcement and politicians Um, so, so everybody's got a stake in this this is definitely a community wide issue, and it demands a community wide response
2: that's a powerful statement that's such a powerful statement, such a meaningful statement i really I really like that it's a, it's a community wide issue it demands a community wide response and so you mention these different pieces of the community, so schools, you know, but I'm separating them out a bit so we can understand and the listeners listening out there, whether they're at a school, whether they're a teacher, whether they're on the board of a school, you know, or the district, like, so what can schools do? Uh,
3: schools are the same. One, one successful thing I've seen happen at the schools is somebody, who, a teacher who really has a heart for the youth and how they're going in wayward directions, starting a club at the school. Uh, To start a club, if you ask most schools, all they need is a teacher to sponsor them. And so you get a teacher who's motivated to do this, to develop activities that involve and engage these kids. Uh, And it's amazing what you see at these schools. If you ever want to see a teenager who's very despondent or depressed or removed from you, you want to see them shine and excel. Ask them to show you how to do something. Something as simple as how to work with an app on your telephone. Um, that's where they shine when they're showing people. And so if you can create a space, which the schools have, where they can shine in that way, that's where you'll see transformation occur.
2: So I love that. I love that too. And it's interesting. It, it It's not exactly this point, but it really um, it blends into... I talk about in my coaching practice and really evangelize this really anywhere in life, that again, whether it's a teen or an adult, if somebody's despondent, depressed, that kind of a thing, that you know I, I, what you're saying, teaching, asking them to teach something, why I say it blends is what I say is giving. So it's philanthropy, it's charity, it's contributing. but if you take someone who's totally depressed, um, quite often we base our identity, we base our self-worth, we base our self-love on extraneous factors. So we say, you know, whether you're young or even in adulthood, you know, what job do I have? What salary do I have? Or if you're young, what grades am I getting? What school did I get into? You know, did I get a house? Did, do I have a relationship? Did that person ever call me back? Um And then, you know, quite often our depression is from things like that. And if you just give, if you just go to an old age home and talk to the folks, if you serve, you know, to the homeless, if you carry bags out from the library with folks that can't carry their bags, whatever it is, you make bracelets for kids that are in a hospital, you know, then you're all, you're all that's needed. You actually see, oh, every single time I show up there, people just have this huge smile because I bring... You know, I, I bring myself, I tell stories, or I talk, or I make bracelets, you know, whatever that is. So I feel like that's what you're saying, and I really resonate with that, that if somebody is removed or despondent or not really connected, asking them to contribute something, all of a sudden they wake up because they have something to contribute, which shows them they have value. Without ever needing to be judged, they just have it within. Yeah, I
3: really I, and I, if, if I can, I'll say, too, one, one of the premises that I train my staff on is that if somebody doesn't feel that their story's heard or seen, then all they're left with is to act it out. And the second part of that is that it's easier if you objectify a community, which a lot of our youth do because they don't feel a part of, if you objectify that community, it's easier to damage that community than if you have a subjective relationship with the community and feel a part of.
2: Those are powerful. I really like those. I really like those. So yeah, you're incenting someone to really, you know, not only wake up for themselves and have their own value because they have something to contribute, but once they do contribute, that builds a connection. If they help somebody with anything or do anything that matters, then they have now connected themselves to something and the connection to something is a vested interest not to destroy it. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. It's
3: very cyclical there.
2: I like that. I really, really like that. Very powerful. And so, you know, you talk about, so we're talking about schools, and, you know, do you think that schools get. Train? I mean, again, I'm looking at you in this field and, and, you know, this, this is your career. So if anyone A would know this, it would be you, but also I'm guessing almost if anyone would do it, it would be people in your field, your staff or people connected to you from different branches. But, um, do, do people go into the schools? And I don't mean talk to the kids. I mean talk to the school board or talk to the teachers and, and really talk to them about proactive means of starting programs or connecting the kids to community or, you know, those kinds of things. Are, is, are people told to do this or are they incented to do this or are they even exposed to the information about this or is it just, you know, if the school catches on?
3: Uh, well, that's part of what my program does is we go into school sites and we implement our programming. Depending on the culture of the school, we'll do it during school sometimes after school, and we focus on three components within the school, and that is to bring up GPAs at any level. It doesn't have to be a 3.0 or 2.0, but have a better GPA than what they had before because research shows that that is an investment in education. Uh, Decrease unexcused absences. We want to get kids there because so much of education is built upon itself that if you miss a day, you're behind, And the tendency is to give up at that point. And then the final thing is to decrease disciplinary referrals. So in our groups, what we do is we provide social skill development, how to be angry or frustrated with a teacher and deal with it appropriately, how to be angry or frustrated with a peer, how to ask appropriately, um, and how to be grateful appropriately. So we teach a lot of these skills too. Another component is, and this goes beyond the school a little bit, I apologize, But we take those skills and we apply them on day trips, hiking trips, our trips to San Quentin, um, sporting events, to learn how to apply the skills they learned in that encapsulated school area and show them how that it applies out in the community. And then the final tier is we go on overnight trips, two nights. We'll go to the snow, whitewater rafting, uh, on backwoods hikes, uh, a number of things, and again... We've taken them out of their familiar environment where they've learned to become comfortable and cut corners and apply the skills we've taught them, and they can be successful with them. So then at that point, and this is the part of psychological transformation I was talking about last week, was that now they've changed and see that these new skills work, and the vulnerability starts to melt away. So they can apply them in schools with their teachers. They can apply them in the community with the mailman, with their neighbor, and such things.
2: That is just, I mean, oh my God, I have the biggest smile on my face. We are going to have to go to break. I, I want to talk more about this. That is so fabulous. I love that. And I di- certainly did not know you were doing stuff like that. Um, so I want to bring some of this back up after the break. And certainly we have a lot more. So I'm telling you, listeners, We are going to be talking more about how to identify what parents can do. Um, Again, prognosis to the future. Stay tuned. We have some great information. This is the end of part two, so it's the best stuff coming up. So we are going to take a break. We'll be right back. Don't change the dial. Thanks. Thanks.
4: Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Adoption changes a family forever. For the adopters as well as the adoptees, there are many adjustments that need to be made. From lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption. We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety
4: Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week.
1: It's time to take a new look at some of life's changing moments. It's time to listen to an expert who has been there and can provide insight through experience, studies, and enlightening guests. Tune in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, Host Lindsay Levinson takes a look at relationships, parenting, health and wellness, divorce, depression, sexuality, philanthropy, and mental health. You'll look at everything you know in a different way. Illuminating now. Lindsay's Life Secrets airs Wednesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety.
3: The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
1: You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l i n z i 244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to
2: Illuminating Now. Hi, welcome back. We are on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. I am your host, Lindsay Levinson, and we have a special guest, Bob Flores. This is part two of a two-part series, because Bob was with us last week, and It was great, and he shared some deep information and some super valuable data. And so please go back on the 17th, look at the archive, and listen, because these shows go together. They're about gangs. They're about community. They're about what is happening. What do they even mean? What's the purpose? Why do they exist? Why are people joining them? Prison gangs? Street gangs? And then this week, we really are going... You know, we have been, and we're still going to talk more about what can we look for, what can we do, community, schools, parents, individuals, you know, what? what is the future and what could be the future. So, this, you can see how these shows go together, and it is just, there's not a single person on the planet who shouldn't care about this, and who shouldn't pay attention, and it's up to you if you want to get involved, but information is critical because gangs exist anywhere and everywhere. So we're coming back from break. And I was asking Bob about, you know, community, and then I was asking about programs in the schools. And Bob was talking about programs that they work with the school with intention of bringing up a GPA, decreasing absences that are unexcused, and decreasing discipline that is, you know, not okay when they're getting in trouble and all of that leading to people liking themselves. I mean, nobody cares as much what the GPA is. It's just people feel better when they can bring it up. People feel better if they're not absent because they don't have so much to make up that they feel like it can't be done. So they're going to fail anyway. You know, it's that kind of thing. So, um, Bob went on to talk about so, so, social skill development and anger management and, and being grateful. And so I was blown away with what he was saying. Um, so first of all, who developed this program that you do with the schools?
3: I, I did. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an eclectic program that involves uh, some evidence-based programs such as anger replacement uh, training some uh, motivational interviewing. And again, it, it's it's come out of my own life experience and the mentors that I've had and the breaks that I've had. Uh, it, it's just a hodgepodge of everything. And the bottom line of it, the bottom line is developing relationships with these youth who feel like gangs are the only relationship that they're worthy of.
2: And, you know, when you talked about... And I'll tell you listeners, in case you missed it, and again, if you did, oh my gosh, rewind for sure, because before the break, I mean, you'll just be blown away at some of the things that Bob was talking about. But to taking these students on hikes and taking them to San Quentin and and taking them on overnights and to the snow and the backwoods, you know, places that are not their comfort zone, places they may have never been, places they have to learn different skill sets and All of a sudden, you talked about psychological transformation, their ability to start to understand who they are in different environments, their ability to tap into their own identity and their own knowledge of either how to survive or how to adapt, how to assimilate into different situations, which creates... The dismantling of a lot of vulnerability when you're never taken out of your comfort zone and you believe that the only power you have is in a gang, you're vulnerable because if someone took away your gang, you'd know you had no power, you know. But what you're doing is exposing so people can see so many different situations and see what they like, see who they are, see how they're adapting, and start to recreate what is that psychological transformation, which again can dismantle some vulnerability. Is, is that true?
3: Yeah. Well, and the idea too, that, um, moving from an identity that you've created, which is a gang member and you never want to attack a gang member, member's identity, uh, with things such as why would you die over a color? Why would you do this over a number? Um, it's the same as somebody approaching me and say, why would you get married? Why would you have kids? Uh, I, I'm not going to concede and say, oh, you're right, I shouldn't have done that. I'm, it's going to create an adversarial relationship. And that's what those questions do. So when we talk about working with these kids, it's a la- layer of vulnerability where they try to let go of this gang identity and they don't know how to be. And that's where we catch them within, within this transformation and teach them how to be a new person. They maintain that they were at one point a gang member and that's part of their identity. And we don't challenge that. What we do is we augment that identity with they're also a brother, a sister, um, a nephew, a son, a daughter, uh, all these sorts of things, and they can be all of them. And then what happens is that identity of a gang member starts to shrink and become less and less important.
2: Well, that's why I love what you're saying about this program. That's why I love it so much. And I totally agree with you. I You know, I talk about meeting people where they are, and that's, that's, I guess that's a Lindsayism, but it's a big one for me, that, you know, people are always trying to tell each other, you know, what not to do, or what you're doing wrong, or I do this much, and you don't do enough, you need to do as much as I do, you know, so, like you're saying, attacking that they're a gang member, attacking what they've chosen, attacking their, their belief system, you know, yeah, I mean, that doesn't help, because it's already a belief system, but... What you're doing is, you know, kind of you're meeting them where they are. You're accepting them for who they are. The subject at hand is not that something's wrong with them, that they've made a bad choice. And then so they don't have to be in a defensive mode. You do not have them in a defensive mode because, you know, you are a witness to them and you are introducing them to other situations, other environments. You're actually respecting them by taking them into new situations where they get to make choices. How do they handle the snow or how do they handle the backwoods or how do they handle San Quentin? You know, but so it's, you know, it's in the subliminal where they start to, like I said, adapt, assimilate and make choices, all of which create power, all of which create power and identity. And so it's like you're allowing them on their own to rewrite some of their story so they can make choices. But a gang is not all that defines them by the time you're through introducing them to so many of these things. Wouldn't you say that's true?
3: I, I would. And one other component to that is my role or the role of my staff with these youth in developing relationships. I also liken to Aikido, the martial art, and the philosophy of not fighting force. That's the adversarial relationship that I talked about earlier but flowing with force. So when we go on these hikes, we're there as an ally, not necessarily a, a coddling um, ally that's going to let them get away with everything. We believe in accountability 100%, but an ally that has their best interest at heart. So no matter what we're doing, uh, we're working together, the youth and myself or the youth and the staff, um, So that keto move is really just flowing with their energy and what direction they're going, but with a little guidance.
2: I like that so much. I like that so much because if you tap into your inner self, you know, there are so many choices. There are ways to find power. There is, you know, there are pieces of your identity and there is a piece of you in many categories that, you know again if you if you are defined by another belief system or by a gang, a lot of that shuts down. But if you're introduced to other opportunities, introduced to other places, introduced to other options, then like I said, things open up inside yourself, and that that creates your ability to say, "Wow, I made that choice," or "Wow, I got through that," or I was afraid of the snow but you know what, I actually handled it really well. You know, you, you, It just starts to happen so that you can actually become a witness to your own abilities, your own capabilities, and your own choices that you made. And and so I, I love that. I just love that. And I'm really big on what you're saying you know, in general in life. I, the minute you become adverse, I mean, the minute you try to tell somebody all the things they're doing wrong and then say, but anyway, let's go on a hike and see if this changes you, I mean... <laughs> I I always say their ears are closed. You know, once you start telling someone you're wrong, but now let's do this, you're never going to get the result you want because they've shut their ears the minute you told them you judge them. So, I I love this is such a non judgmental way to allow someone to access their own inner self and then make choices and change organically. So you know, power to you, what schools get this? Is it just schools in your community or where, where does this program extend to?
3: Well, I, I, I don't, we, we are not, um, the only program that does this. I'm sure there, I've gone to conferences in Florida, Boston, um, and everywhere in between. And there are programs that do this, uh, on a more national level. There's, at the Boys and Girls Club, with their targeted gang outreach programs um, and there are other nonprofits that do these programs and people who are getting it on how to meet the kids where they are, as you mentioned um, so it, it's available and it's easily replicable um, and that's what the kids need
2: yeah I mean I, I just you know we need we need it <laughs> we need more of it and um you know, is there anyone that's an ambassador of the, you know, that is it just kind of random who implements it? I mean, I'm really curious about this. Like, you've got your staff and you've gone to conferences, but but is there anyone at, at a higher level or at your level that that is making sure this is spreading or that this is getting into communities and schools or you're not, you know, you're not sure because it just depends on if a school wants to get involved or...
3: Well, there's a great advocate out there and he's very well-known, written a number of books. Uh, his, his name is Michael Mead. And okay. he, he writes about meeting kids where they are developmentally with tools that are going to help them to continue in that development rather than become stunted, uh, whether it be gangs, drugs... Uh, or other delinquent behavior, how do you help kids to go on? Because that's another component I brought up last week, the idea of tribes and uh, how this warrior class is and whatnot. But if you address that, you also have to see that those tribes also had something to help people transition out. There were state rites of passage that helped them transition, and that's what Michael Mead talks to a lot is the idea of that rite of passage, helping them to move beyond that stage um, or beyond mistakes. Even when we look at restorative justice programs and how you make a mistake, and rather than being incarcerated, you have to work with the offender to repair the damage that they've created within their community.
2: Wow! So I'm glad you gave that name for listeners, Michael Mead, so to be able to look that up and and hear more about what what he is saying because um, this is just fantastic. And so so at the level, which I know many of the listeners will listen for these two weeks, um, will be the parents. So what can parents do? And I know I've heard you talk about increasing protective factors and decreasing risk factors. You've talked about push and pull. You know, tell me how the parent. You know, what can parents do? Well,
3: definitely. And I think that there's two levels. There's the prevention level and the intervention level. Now, prevention is kids who might be emulating gangs, uh, writing on their binders or their backpacks, gang-related stuff. And then there's the intervention level, which is kids who are actually involved with gangs and have detached from their parents and become more immersed in that peer culture. Uh, Parents become or feel less effective, And so the first part with prevention, it's spending time with your children individually and as a group, um, doing things. If you look at a a two-year-old, the two-year-old does something called charging. And what they'll do is they'll come up to their primary caregiver, the adult, and ask to be picked up, you know, with the term uppy, 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 uppy. And then as soon as you pick them up, they start squirming, kicking they want down. And parents Mm -hmm. get frustrated with this because immediately they run off. That's a charging process that, Kids need, they need to know you're there. Teenagers do the same thing naturally. They will not go out one evening and they'll stay home under a blanket watching a movie with mom or dad. They're recharging at that point. And so spending time with kids is very important uh, individually and as groups. Um, Again, connecting the dots between the realms that kids love to keep separate. I know I did, which was school, friends, and um, home so you get the thing where or the situation where a youth will tell his parents that he's staying the night at a friend's house that same friend will be telling their parents that they're staying at your kid's house and what that does if the parents don't communicate is it allows them to stay out all night and do whatever they would like um, so communication finding out who the, your parents who the parents are of your friends your child's friends excuse me and then also communicating with the school is paramount talking to teachers, administrators, a lot of schools are developing ways that are easier and easier for parents to check in on their children, to see when they're absent, to see what their behavior is like in school, to meet with parents. Um, and then the final thing is when we argue with our children, uh, because sometimes they don't want to get up when we want them to get up. They don't want to do what we want them to do. Really it, picking and choosing your battles. And if it does become or grow into an argument, sticking to the point, what is it that's initiated this? Teenagers are experts at. If you go into an argument with them about taking out the trash, within five minutes you're talking about how poor Christmas was five years ago and they didn't get the toy they wanted. Um, they're very tangential like that. So if you stay focused on what your initial point was in this argument as it grows, it helps them to stay focused. That's the prevention component. Shall I go in with intervention?
2: Yeah, and and I really like what you said about prevention. Those are fantastic and really great guidelines. Yeah, talk to me about intervention.
3: So intervention, what we want to do is, again, adding on to prevention, all the same things need to apply, but also we want to start communicating with them, and parents and adults overall are notorious for not liking silence. I know silence isn't a good thing on... The radio show, but, but they feel silence as a child doesn't want to talk. They're constantly there, adults and, or parents, saying, I'm here for you. Whenever you want me, I'm here. Do you want to talk now? How about now? How about now? And, and it really pushes the child away further. Being able to sit with a child in silence as they mull things over and knowing you're there is so important, especially somebody who's trying to get out of games. Um, providing positive activities. What are your child's strengths? Uh, what did they do well before they started moving away from gangs and coming home with more money or bruises or a new nickname? Um, what were they? What did they like doing then? And encouraging that or something similar. And then again, just letting them know that you love them. You know, you love the child. You may not like the behaviors, but you always love the child. Becoming yeah. aware of... I'm sorry?
2: No, I just said, yeah.
3: That's huge Uh, uh, becoming aware of gangs in the the area what is it that your child might be going through how dangerous is it for your child to get out of out of a gang is there a different way um, to do things and again knowing who your child's friends are who their parents are uh, and not allowing colors or insignias in the home even in your child's room that is their room we want to respect their space but there's a part too that it's not acceptable and the final thing is, I see parents a lot of times trying to move. And this is a technique my parents used with me, moving me from Watsonville, California, up to the gold country in California. And it worked because at the time we didn't have cell phones, internet, um, ways for me to readily communicate with people that I'd left behind. Nowadays, when you move, you will, it, everything's there in place for them to continually communicate. And as you mentioned, gangs are everywhere, so they can replicate who they were wherever they are now. So what we want to do, um, if we do move, is also plug them into positive activities. Yeah. I think, I think that's it for the, uh, for the intervention component. And it's all very important. It's very hard, uh, hard to do, hard to maintain, especially when you have parents who are working um, constantly. Uh, but it 's not quantity of time it 's quality being present with your kids
2: yeah that 's awesome. being present with your kids i can 't advocate that enough. Um, I want to just yeah say know yeah, we 're really all of us and grown ups too you know we want to ding our kids for the cell phones and the you know texting and the email and the computer and the games and You know, but the grown us grownups do it, too. So I am big on saying even if you're on your phone, you pick your kid up from school or, you know, you're sitting down to dinner, like make sure even if it's those two minutes, your phone is not in your hand. And when you pick your child up, you look them in the eye and you say, hey, how was your day? Are you okay? I love you. Get in the car like it may be sixty seconds of an interchange, but you spoke to them, you looked them in the eye, and there was nothing else that you had to do but that and um, so often and I recommend doing that you know a number of times throughout the evening, even if you've got a lot of other stuff going on and I also wanted to just add i'm not I'm not versed in intervention per se, but you know you talked about emphasizing their positive strengths and telling them you love them and You know, I just kind of want to blend those, you know, to just walk by your child and say, you're great for this reason. Or I love how you did that. Or I'm amazed that you pulled that off. That's fantastic. You know, just being able for no real reason at all to tell a child special things about them can change what what their brain is doing with what, you know, they can be a lot less vulnerable when they are lifted up within The home. So I I just, I guess, you know, I really wanted to drive that that part home. And um, I I love the things that you talked about, you know, giving them the time, giving them the space. Um, We're getting short on time. I just want to say one more thing that I think is huge. If you have any stories of your past, if you've done any mistakes, if you've been in a gang, my dad was in a gang, like, to tell your kids you know just it's they really relate to and you say i know i did this and it doesn't have to be that they're in a gang so it's a gang story it's just i remember when i you know stole these caramels from the grocery store i felt so bad about it oh my god you know i ended up telling my parents like a year later but i always did feel bad you know it ju- just share stuff and then don't expect them to tell you anything but you'd be surprised what they start telling you when they realize you were vulnerable once too so those are my little two senses um we do have to close the show, so I'm, um, we're really down to the end. I, I have to thank you, Bob. You've been so fantastic, and I want everyone to listen to these two shows. Your knowledge is precious. These two weeks will change lives, and I just I want to thank you so much for being on the show for these two weeks.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
2: You're welcome. I am going to kind of breeze through this ending by saying we have talked about gang life, We've talked about what we can do for our youth, the best chance to give them the best life they deserve, safety that they deserve, the chance to reach their potential. Our youth is our future. And adults, too. We have to watch for that. We discussed to watch and see what we can do in community, in school, in homes. And Bob Flores has made this his mission. He is changing lives one by one and educating people like us so we can contribute to that change. Okay, Lindsay Life's Secret. We have to take responsibility for the youth of today, which is the future for all of us. Adults can be in gangs too. The rate of people losing life or being incarcerated, which is just another form of losing life, is staggering. One person can make a difference. But you know what? If we all join together, this can become a powerful cause, a movement, a way to truly, truly be proactive and Every individual could have a better chance at a better life, at safety, and freedom. We were so lucky to have Bob Flores here for two weeks. Please listen to both these shows. And we've been able to get the the behind-the-scenes details and data about gangs. And Bob is brave in the job he does. He's super creative, and he's a tremendous advocate for change, and he is a leader. We can embrace this wisdom, we can join in becoming advocates for change. And can you imagine the impact it, we could all have if we actually all did something to touch changing this dynamic of gangs? I thank you all for taking your valuable time, for choosing to listen to this show, Illuminating Now Lindsay's Life Secrets. I know you have choices. I know life is crazy busy. I know it's hard to find time to do anything. But you guys care about the community, you care about the show, you care to grow and learn, and I offer you gratitude. I am Lindsay Levinson. I am your host here on Illuminating Now. Our special guest for last week and this week has been Bob Flores. And please go back and listen to part one if you missed it. These two shows together just might change your life or the life of someone you love or the life of someone you know. I thank you so very much for listening to this show. And I wish that you have an empowering and a fabulous week. Thanks.
1: Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.